So now it is clear that for two years, the newspapers lied. The mainstream media lied. The big tech companies were acting very oppressively against the truth. They painted the truth as fake news. Now, instead of admitting their mistake, they keep shutting it down. You know, it's not, I, I'm here in the States right now. I don't see a lot of coverage of, uh, of the story. It's not a Shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, in our ancestral, biblical, and eternal Judean hills. Today, we are going to be speaking about another topic that very much connects current events and politics of America with the current events and politics of Israel, because there is so much that really is going on in both of our countries that, that connects. And we're referring to media censorship and specifically the headline news finally with the New York Times admitting that the Hunter Biden laptop scandal is real. So I'm going to be bringing in uh, Ran Barat, an Israeli who is very knowledgeable about not just Israeli politics, but also America and American politics. Ran is the founder of the Israeli conservative online magazine Mita and former director of communications and advisor to former Prime Minister Netanyahu. So let us welcome Ran. Shalom, shalom, Ran. Shalom. Hi, how are you? Thank God very well. It is a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. And um, I reached out to you because uh, for those unfamiliar, Ron is a publicist and uh, his articles, uh, I, I get to see them almost every weekend, every Shabbat here in Israel in the Makori Show newspaper. And recently he wrote a column and here is the, the paper right here. He wrote a column specifically about this topic, Hunter Biden's laptop and media censorship, again, connecting America and Israel. So, Ron, tell us, why why this topic? Why was it so important for you to write about this topic to the Israeli public who very much are unfamiliar with the Hunter Biden laptop scandal, even though you did mention in your article that uh, Gadi Taub, another Israeli publicist and, uh, and someone else, actually did write about it when the scandal came out a year ago, and they were also shut down by the Israeli media. Exactly, and uh, not just Gadita, also a reporter for uh, Israel Ayom newspaper called Gilad Zvik, who used to work for me in, uh, in Mida. They both brought out the story, and actually, you know, I, I'm not sure which story is bigger, the Hunter Biden story or the burying of the Hunter Biden story by the mainstream American media and the big tech companies. Because the, the thing is that it was published, it was revealed, it was a great expose by the New York Post, which is a, a great journalistic achievement. They found out about the, the exposed, the, the Hunter Biden laptop that he left, that revealed his, his ties to various, I would say, dubious uh, companies uh, in uh, Ukraine and in China, etc. But and the story is a great story, and they just buried it. In fact, you know, Facebook suppressed the spreading, the social spreading of of the the post's article. The post was punished by the big tech companies, and the mainstream American media didn't just shut it down. They actually said that not only is it fake news, 
it's a, a sort of a Russian collusion. It's Russian propaganda. <laughs> right. Now it's this is a, a some of the features of this story are similar to things that I know that are happening also in Israeli media. So it was astounding to me, but because now we have proof, and the proof was that the New York Times, you know, the, the most important newspaper for the progressive left, actually admitted the main lines of the New York Post's expose, you know, almost two years later or something like that. So now it is clear that for two years, the newspapers lied. The mainstream media lied. The big tech companies were acting very oppressively against the truth. They painted the truth as fake news. Now, instead of admitting their mistake, they keep shutting it down. You know, it's not, I, I'm here in the States right now. I don't see a lot of coverage of, uh, of the story. It's not, a, I, I only, uh, you know, I wonder what would have happened if this was something that was on the Trump side, right? Or take, for example, another example, it's all related, the Steele dossier which was a Democrat, the Democrats now, everything that was claimed to be fake news now turns out to be true. The Democratic Party did finance that report, which is largely false. The FBI took that report and used it as a leverage to follow, you know, uh, the, actually spy on Trump campaign people which is a very dangerous connection between government, the media, and a political party. And we, when we said it, we, we were called conspirators, you know, people who exposed the, those facts were right. called conspirators, part of a Russian collusion. They themselves were uh, uh, e echoing falsities for, of Russian propaganda and Trump's propaganda. Now it all turns out to be true. And still, you know, I would say the American public, to a very large extent, is unaware of all those developments and all the, the truth finding of, uh, of the case, the opinion was suppressed, the facts is suppressed and the truth was completely uh, averted. It was completely uh, you know, overturned. The truth was portray portrayed as a lie. Lies were portrayed as truth. Where are we? Are we in the, mm -hmm. in the Soviet Union? Is the mainstream media in the liberal left, is it equivalent to Pravda? This is a, which was the, the Russian newspaper, you know, it's a, it used to be a joke. The Pravda in Russian means truth. And all the Russians knew, if you are looking for truth, you can't look in Pravda, right? Where, so this was a joke. Everybody knew that it was a joke. Everybody understood that the Pravda and Izvestia, which is another Russian newspaper called News. So you can't find truth in Pravda. You can't find news in Izvestia. This was... A, a completely, uh, you know, a, a joke in the West on, at the expense of people behind the Iron Curtain. Now the joke is on us. The Western media has embraced the same patterns of shutting down opinions, shutting down truth, presenting truth as lies, presenting lies as truth. And, you know, the public suffers, I think, tremendously because we are ignorant of facts that are very important for our political lives and political decisions. So this is, I think this is very worrisome. Of course, I mostly worry about Israel because I see the same patterns in Israel. But the advantage, I would say, of the United States is that in the end, the truth comes to light still. I'm not sure for how long, but still you, the truth in the end comes to light. In Israel, I'm worried that uh, in the end, we will not learn what the truth is.
Really? You think there's a better chance of America, the truth coming to light, even with all the media censorship than in Israel? Is that because of your understanding of, of, of the, the, the powers of media in America versus the powers of media in Israel? Or, or what, what no, makes the, you do that? The only reason is the, that in Israel, it, you know, things can change. This is not a, I'm not predicting anything. I'm just saying that the state of affairs right now is that the American right, the Republicans in the U.S. have bigger media outlets than, uh, than they do in Israel. So they can reach a larger audience. So they can still live in a world where you can see both opinions. I mean, you don't have to tune into CNN. In Israel, we have a very small channel. It's called 14. So we have uh, like 11, 12 and 13, which are completely progressive. And one very small, it has about, you know, one, two percent uh, ratings. So I'll, I hope it will grow, but we don't have anything similar to, for example, Fox Last. News. Right. And, and newspaper scene is, uh, is deteriorating. So I would say still the America, it's not balanced in any way. You know, the, the mainstream media is very progressive in the U.S. as well. But you have bigger investments in, uh, in media that will show you the Republican side. And in Israel, it's harder to find. So this is, by the way, one of the reasons that I founded Mida, the website, because there was no real conservative Israeli Hebrew speaking outlet. So uh, I made one up, you know, I built one just to have the voice. But right. in truth, you know, we reach um, uh, an audience that is not big enough to be uh, influential as, you know, because we have no Fox News, we have no channel that is actively, you know, finding truth and revealing news and bringing opinions to the public 24-7 or 6 in the, in the Israeli case. Right. And uh, so we are in a disadvantage compared to the U.S., although I completely admit in the U.S. the, the situation is far from being balanced, far from being good, things are not going well, the media is deteriorating very rapidly and not just the media the the academy is going through the same process and it's very interesting because both the media journalism and the academy used to have a, a shared vision of their role what 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 academy are you referring to when you say academy just to make clear yeah. for everyone you know humanities in general universities colleges Academic. Even, even Academic. High, today, it's even schools, even high schools. I mean, it, right. it, it uh, trickles down. The progressive right. agenda trickles down all the time. And what you see 30 years ago in the academy is now in the textbooks of, of middle schools and, and high schools, uh, even right. in the U.S., where I am now, and I see what my kids are, are studying. Right. So the academy and journalism used to have a shared view of their role. They had the classical liberal role. They present different opinions. They show you the variation in opinion. They let you know what everyone, each side of the political spectrum thinks. And they used to have very strong ethical boundaries in presenting news, in framing news. It was a, 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 a mission, a truth-finding mission of both the academy and journalists. Today, they have turned out dramatically. They are now acting as political actors they are you know they are for social justice they are for a progressive agenda it is indoctrination much more than truth finding or anything related to truth at all they are completely biased 
And this yeah. is terrible news because we are all educated. We learn about the political world and more than just the political world by reading news. And we shape our worldviews by studying at the universities, at colleges, by trying to get you know, a deeper sense of what's going on. And yeah. when we go to both those places, we are being indoctrinated. And this is a terrible thing for the West. This is, a, I'm saying this, is, it embraces a pattern that is totalitarian in nature, completely opposed to what, what used to be the Western DNA. It used to say, you don't shut down different opinions. You argue with different opinions. Right. Then we have cancel culture. We have inquisition. If you say the wrong thing, you're shut down. If you say something that's harmful to the political left, you're, you're, it's called fake news and your account is being shut down because you violate the community rules or something. So this is a very dangerous situation, mm -hmm. I think, because the long term show every time someone claims a monopoly mm -hmm. on the truth, the result is lies and then deterioration because you can't build a successful nation and a successful culture on lies. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to like sum up what you're saying with, with um, information that a Russian defector actually told the American people 30 years ago. And I actually have the video of it. And then I want to go into like the deeper levels of the scandals we're referring to, because there's so many different levels and also both America and Israel. And I have the video right in front of me and it's actually, I have it on my website. KGB defector Yuri Bezmanov's warning to America. This is 30 years ago, back even 40, whatever, in the 80s. And his main message was, I remember this, like when I watched it, I was like, my, my jaw dropped because he defected to America. And this, the Soviet Union's gone, right? Russia's not the Soviet Union, but communism and socialism is alive and well, spreading its tentacles around the world. And this is the 1980s. He said, we have one generation, meaning we, communism has one generation of professors already in universities. When we reach three generations of professors, the United States is gone. And, and we're at that place right now. And not just America, also, also, also Israel. Three generations of the, of the socialism, communist uh, indoctrination at the academic level that has totally imperviated every single level of society. It's not just the universities anymore. It's trickled down, like you said, down to the high schools, down to the middle schools, down to the lower schools in some states, even especially California. It's trickled down to the corporate offices of corporate America and, and, and global corporations, where now uh, policies are being set according to very much these socialist censorship, cancel culture agendas. And and America was warned, or the world was warned by this KGB defector back in the 80s. Um, and basically, people have to wake up. But to the different levels of the scandals you're referring to. Before you go to the scandal, let, let me oh. just uh, comment on, on that, because you know this is not just a feeling. It's actually empirical. Uh, six years ago, three uh, American economists, they uh, examined their research, the political diversity of uh, in 40 leading American universities in five departments. And they, uh, they want to see what's the ratio between Democrats and Republicans. So in, uh, in economy departments, this was the best one they found. It was almost five Democrats for every Republican. In law, it was almost nine to one. In psychology, it was 17 and a half to one. In media, it was 20 to one. And in history, it was almost 34 to one. So in general, you know, less than 10% of faculty members that they found could identify as, uh, as Republicans. In almost 40% of the departments, there was no Republican to be found. 
And the worst news is that when they uh, try to look at the ages of the faculty, they saw that actually it's more biased as staff gets younger, which means that the future, you know, 10 to 1 will deteriorate to 15 and 20. So this is a, a major crisis in the academy. You know, every journalist, every politician, every, uh, I don't know, parliamentary assistant, you know, everyone that goes into do, doing something that has to do with political life goes through the academy because he wants to educate himself in whatever subjects you, subject he wants to influence. Right. And, and there, there are like credentials. And there he learns that being progressive is being neutral, that being progressive is being true, that being progressive is being right. So there is good and bad. Progressive is good. You know, it's like Animal Farm, George Orwell's Animal Farm. Progressive is good. Conservatism is bad. Democrats are, are good. Republicans are bad. This is how they're being indoctrinated, and they're being indoctrinated by very smart people. You know, it's not brilliant, right? Very smart. propaganda by brilliant people with textbooks and uh, a, a huge history that's being reinvented. And this is how they come out to the world. And they, you can see that people are becoming more timid. They are more shy of being Republican. They try to hide that people are living in fear. The people, you know, Republicans, uh, the same goes to uh, some of my uh, right-wing friends in Israel, in Israeli academy and Israeli media. They are afraid that people will find out what they really think. They live in a very oppressive world. What so, you, you just know, said is so important, Ron, because people still think, oh, in America, there's free speech. Oh, in Israel, is free speech. Forget about the fact that there's already censorship and cancel culture, which is already hitting at the foundation of whether there really is free speech anymore. But what you just mentioned, the fact that there is the fear of being thought of thinking a different way, that in and of itself is proof that we no longer truly have free speech because you're afraid of the price you will pay. So many people will not allow themselves to truly speak freely. Hence, there really is no true free speech anymore in the Western liberal culture that invented and brought, uh, and brought about for modern society free speech on the political level. So I'm glad you mentioned they, that. They have completely forsaken the intellectual and, you know, value foundations of a liberal society that you can find, you know, take uh, J.S. Mill, John Stuart Mill. He was, uh, in a modern sense, a progressive, right? I mean, he was a socialist, he leaned left in many ways. But in terms of, you know, free speech, for example, take free speech, take individual liberty, take limited government, today would be uh, uh, cancelled. <laughs> if, if, if we would have said the things that, that he said, that he wrote, for example, in On Liberty, he would have been cancelled because he gives the right the same uh, kind of uh, status as he does the left. He said, please discuss your opinions, convince, use arguments. This is the way, you know, modern democracy should operate. Right. Uh, but today, this is, uh, no, if you say the wrong thing, then you are a bad person. And if you are right. a bad person, you have to be punished. This right. is a, an inquisition. Right. It's not, it's not a free society. This is not a free speech culture. This is an inquisitory culture. You are being inspected for the way you think, and there are sanctions. If you think the wrong way, there are sanctions that are being applied. And this, like I said, this is the most worrying thing. And the most of the most worrying thing is that it originates from the academy that should have been a bastion of free speech and free research. It should have been the place where you go to learn what you have not been told because you, you know, 
people grow out grow up in a community so there are certain things that they th that never think about they take as a, you know take for granted and then they go to the academy and they open their minds to different opinions they can go in the end they might go back to exactly the same thing that they thought beforehand but much more knowledgeable right. and much more appreciative and much more uh, intelligent about their own views this is what the academy was supposed to do right. instead you go into the academy and if you came in a concert you know by the way it used to be that the staff was very uh, not very diversified it, it usually leaned to the progressive side but the students were diverse today the situation is that the students that go in the the leading universities are already progressive they're already being in the, they go through a funnel that has an ideological aspect to it if you're a conservative it will be harder for you to seem as an excellent candidate for harvard or uh, or yale or whatever you want because there are limitations that actually without saying it look at your political agenda they examine what you think by for example looking where did you volunteer some places you volunteer are excellent other places not so excellent so when you look at the evidence you look at the data you see that the student body today is much more biased than before so in the end you have an elite progressive academy for the future elite progressive students and the conservative is just being thrown aside right right so going back to the to the level of scandal specifically the hunter biden uh case and connecting it to israel so again I, the lowest level of the scandal is the laptop itself believe it or not right the because you have, have absolute corruption of uh alleged corruption of not just hunter biden but his father today president biden uh not just him but probably other biden family members other very well-known politicians who have very prominent positions in washington like that's a huge scandal but that's just the that's just the first level of scandal the second level of scandal is this is the media censorship since uh media and big tech censorship but the third level of the scandal oops i lost you You hear me now? Yeah. You're okay. Back. The, third level. the first level of the scandal was the hunter, the laptop itself. The second level of the scandal is the censorship of media and big tech. And the third level of the scandal was that it's 100% election interference. The elections were totally manipulated because of the censorship and cover up of this big scoop that should have had every thinking American realize. There is no way I'm going to vote for a man who is knee deep in alleged corruption with oil companies and corrupt politicians in Ukraine and doing things behind the scenes, abusing uh, political power of Washington. We can't vote for him. Forget about the other election interference issues, but that in and of itself was total election interference. And then we bring it also connection to Israel because in Israel, we had the same exact parallel. We have decades of, let's call it judicial, um, judicial overreach and injustice in dealing with cases that I personally call a witch hunt 
of former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu that time after time, whenever problems and issues would come up about problems in those cases, the Israeli media would shut down and in a sense censor it from the Israeli public ever being able to receive that information and hence brought about a public atmosphere where the public, even very many supporters of Netanyahu, did not want to vote for him anymore because they were so brainwashed by, by the total media brainwashing slash censorship of the truth dealing with all the, 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 the justice cases against Netanyahu. So how would you like to reflect upon that? Because I know you have a lot to say as well. So, you know, maybe the, the steel dossier is even more similar because there you saw the involvement of FBI figures in, uh, you know, trying to influence the elections. And in that sense, in Israel, what you see is a collaboration which is, you know, it's very hard for me to say because it's so disastrous that things have come to that. But you see a collaboration between the prosecution and the police on the one hand and the Israeli media and, you know, the intellectual, etc., in framing a story in such a way that, you know, if you're just a, a, an innocent uh, observer of the news, if you just open the news and you are not well informed beforehand, you get a sense that you know you don't need a trial. Everything is so factual and obvious, and Netanyahu is corrupt, and he, uh, you know, he needs to go to jail. This is what people think because of the way that it's covered. Now, I was in office. I was the the director of uh, of communications for Netanyahu when some of the stories broke out. So, for example, I remember very well. There is uh, one case had to do with uh, purchasing submarines from Germany. Now, this was called Case 3000, meaning it was attributed to Netanyahu because the, the numbers, if the 1,000, 2,000, 4,000 are Netanyahu cases. So this was called 3000. Now, in the media, it was presented as a slam dunk. This is corruption. No, Netanyahu will never be able to escape. This is obviously something that the prime minister cannot. He was called a traitor by Lapid and Gantz in their propaganda in uh, towards the election. He was a traitor. This is how they call him, which is uh, also a crazy thing. You know, the left can say things that the right will never say. Right. In the end, he wasn't even indicted. He's not part of the case. But the prosecution and the police and the media, they all tied the case to Netanyahu, which has nothing to do with the case and was not even indicted. So for years, the Israeli, the Israeli public walked with the sense that Netanyahu is corrupt in military affairs, which is you know, in security affairs, which is the most important thing for Israelis. Netanyahu was corrupt when purchasing the submarines from Germany. This was the notion that was instilled in, in the minds of many, many Israelis who are still convinced, although, you know, there's not even an indictment because obviously he has nothing to do with the, whatever the details of the case are. He was just a prime minister who made the decision that we should need to buy submarines, which was a very correct decision. But then, you know, below, they investigate a few things. Below, much further down the road, you know, when you purchase something like a submarine, it's a very long process with hundreds of people involved, you know, and some of them might have been corrupt. We don't know yet, but it has nothing to do with Netanyahu whatsoever. And this, so this is a, you know, a kind of thing that you see it, it is 
obviously meant to influence the Israeli public, obviously meant to influence the result of election. It's obviously meant you know, to smear the leader of the, the right wing, the conservative uh, coalition in Israel. This is the only, the case is that, had it been known, you know, had the, the police or prosecution would have said, this has nothing to do with Netanyahu, it wouldn't have been a story. It would have opened once or twice and then let go until the fact would have been found out. But no, this was part, think about it. The prosecution and police investigators leaked false information to the newspapers, the newspapers or you know, the media. The media used it in their own campaign against Netanyahu. And then a political party that ran opposed to Netanyahu used it in their political campaign in order to smear Netanyahu and get elected. And this is all based on a falsity that Netanyahu is in some way corrupt in purchase. And again, like in the Americans, we now know that it's a falsity, so I can use it. You know, other things are still being found out in court. I have my opinion. I'll be happy to share them. But this has already been established that it's a falsity. And this was used for almost two, three years as a smear campaign against Netanyahu. And it was, it originated from bodies that should be uh, very careful, very neutral. You know, leaking such information to the media is actually uh, a crime. It's a very severe crime. You go to jail if you do that. You're supposed to go to jail. Right. So what you see here is this very dangerous collaboration between a political prosecution and some political, you know, investigators in, uh, in enforcement bodies in Israel, the media that act that echoes the kind of news that serve them politically, and then it goes straight not only to the Israeli public but to actual political propaganda, and it, of course it weakens Netanyahu. There is no way that this uh, kind of uh, libel would strengthen you, right? If you're because even if you think Netanyahu is uh, innocent. It does. It creates a doubt. It's right. like Trump and Russia, right? People right. have doubts. They they don't think there's something there, but they are no longer certain that there's nothing there. Right. When, when that's doubt. the same narrative you hear in every channel, twenty four seven, every headline, every newspaper, every media, it makes a difference. Makes an impact. And the impact is, and now I'm as I'm thinking as a political advisor, the impact is called suppression, suppression of votes. People without have are less mo motivated to go and vote for the can their candidate. So instead of uh, 70% turnout, you have 65% turnout, which is sometimes yeah. enough for you right. to win or lose. So right. the doubt is actually a real facilitator of voting. You know, it uh, uh, inhibitor. <laughs> of voting. So this is this is what it is meant to be. And in the end, they found out, okay, so there was nothing there. Actually, Netanyahu is not indicted. The truth is that there was it was always false, but the elections already happened and they're irreversible. So you, you achieved, if you're a political actor and not a real media person with ethical boundaries and ethical norms, you've won. You've won. You achieved what you, your goal was not to spread truth or be very careful about the way you frame news, your goal was to suppress the right-wing voting patterns, and you've managed to do that. So, 
I think you'd agree with me, and if you disagree with me, please let me know, that this censorship, cancel culture, suppression of truth is growing. It's not, it's not getting better for free speech. It's getting worse and worse for free speech and for certain value values and value system and, and, and proponents of those value systems by the day. What positive message can, can you share with us as we are experiencing this reality of worse and worse censorship, cancel culture against more conservative traditional values, viewpoints, uh, news items, etc. So, first of all, in Israel, as a Jewish state, I think it would be harder to for the council culture to really uh, take root because the Jewish tradition is based on debate. We you can't open you know a Jewish post-biblical text without going into a debate. We call it pulmus from the Greek polemos, right? So we argue. That's what we do. We argue. We defer. We have different opinions and we argue about them and we try to convince and uh, someone in the end might win or not, but we always have Betilel, Betchamai. You know, this is the basis of the Jewish culture that right. you always you, you progress by debating. So and I think for those who are not familiar, the Talmud, which is the most studied by by Jewish religious students, it is 100 percent arguments. That's it. It's arg it, it is total arguments. I always describe to my kids to, to understand how it goes. It's a bunch of rabbis sitting around a table arguing with each other. That is the Talmud, that it takes seven years to learn when you learn it quickly, one page at a time. So exactly, <laughs> that's what Ron's referring to. Yeah, and but it, but it goes on. You know, the spirit of the Talmud lives on in, uh, in Judaism. And, right. and, and that spirit, spirit, which is also, you know, it, uh, so there is the Jewish uh, root that will win. I, I'm, I have no doubt, you know. Jewish culture, this kind of culture is won over, you know, the Inquisition. So we will win cancer culture as well. But I also think the, the Western culture, which is based on, you know, something Greek and Roman in, in the, the U.S., specifically Roman, but they were also great debaters and, uh, you know, orators, and they, they took pride in being able to, uh, to present diverse positions and complicated positions. And the founding fathers of the United States are, were the same. They were very influenced by that uh, classical liberal culture and not progressive culture. You, right. Sometimes you say liberal, you know, I, I make yeah, a point yeah. which is futile to call them progressives as not liberals because they are not liberals. It's not liberal. <laughs> I have too much respect for Latin to call those people who are very oppressive and authoritarian to call them liberal. 100%. So, <laughs> 100%. So I, there is a strong root in the United States as well that I think will stand up, but both in Israel and the U.S. You know, part of the thing is of being a conservative is realizing that you have to keep maintaining good things. It, it, things are not good by themselves. They're good because we make them good. We work in preserving what's good. Preservation is not natural. You know, decomposition is natural. Things deteriorate naturally. You have to invest energy in maintaining them. Right, so right, this right. is what we have to do. We have to start, you know, pulling our resources and investing our energies in preserving the good thing that is Jewish culture and Western classical liberal culture who were uh, responsible for the flourishing 
And actually the victory of the West over any other ideology, oppressive ideology that confronted it. And, you know, we have to make sure that we, they couldn't win the West or Israel from the outside. Now we have to make sure that we don't lose from the inside because this is oppressive kind of oppressive culture. Anti-Western, anti-Jewish is growing inside because of the deterioration of the institutions that were used to be most important, the universities and, and uh, the media. So now, you know, it's a fight we can win. I believe we will win. And, you know, the thing is, you know, when they win, we lose. When we win, both sides win. We all win. Because we let them have the, the same right and the same free speech that we want for ourselves. This is not, you know, right. they, are the, they want to oppress, we want to liberate. So in the end, I think there is something in Jewish culture, there's something in Western culture, and specifically in American culture, that will prevail. This is this is my belief, and this is what I'm trying to do. This is what, how I invest my time. No, one hundred percent. I think you're right, and I I, I voice that same thought in, in a little different way. And I don't know whether you'll agree or disagree with me, but um, I separate. And again, I'm not an academic, so I'm not going to talk as an academic. I'm going to talk more in terms of just uh, my, my understanding of of, of reality, differenti differentiating. America from the west of the, the the rest of the Western world, I think, is critical, because the um, the American foundation uh, um, and contribution contribution to uh, the freedom loving world, Western culture, had a very Judeo Christian foundation, as opposed to the European Enlightenment was a a, a, a rejection of of god and the bible and the, the traditional values that come from that so what i see today i explain it is like um it's a it's a pendulum i think we're seeing a pendulum effect where where the western enlightenment was a war against traditional values hence a replacement of religion and god um and the point i believe you as i explain it what you're pointing out the healthy aspect of Israeli Jewish culture and the American uh, culture based on the founding fathers is a reliance and a connection to that tradition and connection with God. So ultimately, what the, the, the Western Enlightenment, which has turned into this progressivism today, it is self-destructing in a sense trying to replace God. But those of us who have a connection with tradition and with that, uh, the traditional Judeo-Christian ethic and the Bible, we ultimately will win out. It's just gonna—it's just a messy battle that we're experiencing. I believe we're still only at the beginning of it, but I—I'm optimistic, like you, that we will win out. And I mean, it's cliche to say, but God's on our side. But it's really us <laughs> being on the side. It's us being on the side of God and standing up for those true values of liberty, freedom. And liberalism that 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 originates from the Bible, um, and re and, and basically winning out against the progressive tr slash regressivism that is basically a battle to replace that all. I will add to that: not only God is under attack, family is under attack. Right, and all it represents. Correct, the traditional values. Nationalism right. or national identity is under attack. They are trying to dismantle everything. And you know, in the during the French Revolution, one. There was an expression after the, the terror period of uh, Robespierre and the Jacobites that the revolution eats its own children. Yeah. 
So they don't need God. I mean, they turn against themselves. Yeah. Robespierre executed people who helped him get to power because they deferred, started deferring on minor things such as are we allowed to execute the opposition or should we let them uh, at least uh, be free? And uh, he executed the people who thought that you should not execute the opposition. And it's very important you mentioned that because we are already seeing the same parallel today. Because today you have the whole progressive movement now embracing and pushing a whole trans agenda. And then you have women who are proud feminists <laughs> who they themselves say, no, 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 no. That's wrong. That's that trans agenda that no, I'm not with that. And they're being canceled by their own peers who they used to be shoulder to shoulder with on other progressive issues so i think that's a very important because in their own momentum they keep going to the extreme so if every uh, every decade you find out that people who uh, were not as extreme as you are and then you cancel them right. and and it's true and this is what happens to oppressive self-preserved self-contained cultures because those people they speak with each other they have no room to uh, to other views they don't listen to people who, who argue differently right. so they tend to be to become more extreme with time and then you know the the children of the revolution are being executed so uh, it's self-destructive what we have to make sure that is that we are not destroyed in the process of the revolution self-destructive momentum and uh, mm -hmm. and this is what we do but and and again i think we will prevail i think the more people understand the need to invest those resources and energies in maintaining our successes and being conservative, very uh, self-aware conservatives uh, in that respect, I think we'll have more power, more momentum, and we and the pendulum will reach the end and start swinging back to where it should be, which is you know it doesn't have to swing that hard. You have right. a swing is good. You have transitions are you know sometimes they have uh, very blessed effects, but you have to keep them not you know going to the full length of uh, of the pendulum because then they might uh, hit the wall right right listen ron it is always a pleasure speaking with you thank you so much for your time and for your insight and uh, i'm very much uh, as we say in Amer as in american speak very much bullish and positive and optimistic about the end of this story and again it helps me to be a believer um, uh, to know that, that we're told the end's going to be good and we're going to go through a lot of bad before we get to that good ending. But, uh, but, but it's wonderful speaking to, uh, to, to, to a peer who, who sees it also from, from the, 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 the spectacles, the eyeglasses of looking at the actual reality and, and, and seeing it play out um, uh, right before our eyes. And I uh, very much appreciate, uh, appreciate your insight. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. All right. And everyone, thank you for watching. Shalom, shalom, Ron. Keep up the wonderful work, everything you're doing here. I look forward to this week's uh, publication, the, the, your, your column, and look forward to uh, seeing you back in Israel. Please, God. Thank you very much. And uh, I look forward to coming back. Amen, amen. Wonderful. Thank All right, you. everyone. Thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed hearing, again, this insight from Ron Baratz, who uh, founder of a conservative media here in Israel. 
as well as a communications director of former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Very important information. And again, the, mo the most critical thing to you walk away from that I'm, I walk away from, and it's part of me, but Ron just is further strengthening it, is even though we're seeing this growing cancel culture, censorship, fear, it's very much a fear that's developing around us if, if it's affecting us and our worldview and our traditional values, uh, there is a good ending. All right, we stick. We just stick. Stick with your values. Stick with standing up. Do not be afraid to voice. Do not be afraid to instill those values in your children. Pull them out of the schools if they're being indoctrinated. If that is the right thing to do to pro to protect them, um, but the ending will be good. Stick with us. We're all in this together. Shalom, everyone, and thanks for watching another episode of the Pulse of Israel here in our eternal and ancestral homeland, the land of Israel, in our eternal ancestral and biblical Judean hills. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.